And there we have it. And we are back for another fun-filled, crazy, crazy episode. I, uh, just a word to the wise, word of caution. Lucy's Dude, loaded for bear tonight. I am <laughs> fired up. I am fired up. Buckle in, get your seatbelt on, put on your helmet. Even I'm scared. Holy hell. <laughs> It is, uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun one. I think it's going to be a fun one. So right. uh, welcome back everybody. This is uh, episode season two, episode seven of the fusion underground. You know, I need to figure out how many actual episodes we've recorded because we have this breakdown of seasons and I'm like, are we like on the 30th or what are we on? Everyone. I love watching your face. Season two episode. Uh, 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 wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, five, six, seven, five or no, I don't know. Yeah. yeah whatever. It's just any, any, uh, today. It's today. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well here at the fusion underground we try to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as entertainment current events politics and culture and we're going to be talking a lot about that tonight our mission is to educate people to have to become critical thinkers so they can live more happier and empowered lives i'm your host manuel ramirez and i'm joined as always in the virtual studio by the lovely the brilliant jason Moret. how are you doing sir i'm good i'm good brother i'm good <laughs> <laughs> a little little apprehensive <laughs> like but uh -oh. i'm good uh -oh. yeah. hmm. i get text messages starting from you two hours ago talking about how you're raring and ready to go <laughs> so i'm Box. like oh no box it up <laughs> as always you can find all of our stuff all of our stuff at fusionunderground.net. you can find us on facebook at facebook facebook.com forward slash az fusion underground we have a youtube channel uh, we're on Twitter at the FU Brothers. Uh, we have podcast feeds on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Of course, you can get all those RSS feeds off of our website at fusionunderground.net. And you can email us at contact at fusionunderground.net. So, but today, before we kick off everything, I mean, we got an action-packed episode. I, we've got, we, we have to talk about the big bombshell, the nuclear explosion that rocked Washington, D.C. yesterday. That was the passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I think everybody knew that it was coming eventually. Everybody knew it was coming five years ago. Uh, but, and the fact that she lived on this long is a testament to her strength and her tenacity as an individual. She is no longer with us. And the insanity that, that hit last night is just delicious. And we're going to get into some of that. People are losing their freaking minds. 
If yeah. you're a Democrat, if you're a liberal, you really need to step back. And I hope to God you're not like some of the people that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, there are people that are literally, literally losing their minds. We're also going to talk a little bit about COVID, but not from the way that you're thinking of. We're not going to be talking about the statistics. We're not going to be talking about masks. We're not going to be talking about the infectious rate or anything like that. Oh, no. We're going to actually talk about what Trump did since January uh, and go through a timeline. I actually have uh, the timeline of all of the different things that, that President Trump has done. So the Democrats have been running around saying, if only the president would have done something sooner, even two weeks earlier, we, we wouldn't have had all the deaths that we had. Well, we have it for you here. We have that entire timeline and we're going to walk through that. Uh, it's insane. I think most people will be stunned. Either you remembered this and you've completely forgotten about it, or you've never known it because the media hasn't been talking about it at all, but we're going to walk you through it. Um, <sighs> oh. Take a deep breath. I, I think you need to. <laughs> and so, uh, it is. Uh, it's 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 insane. I want to I want to kick this off with with this uh, this little tidbit here. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that people are losing their minds. There is a thing called Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, I don't. We haven't really talked about it too much on here but there is something called Trump derangement syndrome. And you should check yourself if you behave in this way. Check out this, check out this lady. She was caught ripping down Trump signs in some neighborhood. And uh, some people, this guy, and I think his wife or his girlfriend, whatever, they, they confronted her on the street. And watch what unfolds on this. And you are trash. You are fucking garbage. Are you on drugs? No, I don't have to be on drugs. I'm smarter than you on your best day, you piece of fucking hick shit. The way you are treating your children and your fucking animals makes me want to vomit. Yeah, I got this. You are sick. And who are you? I'm from California. You should go back. Yeah, I should go back. That's right. After I take all you pieces of crap down, bye. Are you smoking meth? Are you smoking meth? I don't have to smoke anything to be stupid. <laughs> she doesn't have to smoke anything to be stupid. She's just naturally that way, I guess. This <laughs> just comes naturally. Holy crap. So I'm she was you. out ripping down Trump signs and they stopped her to ask what the heck's wrong with her and she's losing her marbles losing just absolutely losing it absolutely wow absolutely losing it um here's an here's another prime example of of uh trump derangement syndrome mm -hmm. hold on uh here's a per this actually happened when um when the news about ruth bader ginsburg started making the airwaves started hitting the internet um of course this woman is going to have an absolute psychotic break an emotional breakdown. And of course, being 2020, the first thing she thinks to do is to grab her phone to record grab it. her phone and record a video. Yeah. Yeah. So check this out. Holy fucking shit, you guys. I'm driving your car, but I just got a notification that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. Fuck. 
These people are insane. What oh the matter with you people? Oh, it's absolutely wrong. Now I remember, I remember when when um, Justice Scalia died after he was murdered, uh, and <laughs> that was a joke. Jokes. I have no idea if he was murdered. I have no idea. But I remember when Justice Scalia died. I loved that man. He yeah. his. Uh, his philosophy, his his legal acumen was just, he was a, a titan. He was a, an absolute titan. And when he died, here here was me when he died. When I when he died, I heard the news and I was like, oh, shit, that sucks. Yeah. Shit, I really suck. I, gotta get I really to liked him. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll read his book. Okay. God, man, that man. sucks. That's, man. Yes, that's normal. That's normal. And I've never met the guy. I don't, you know, <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on. Well, okay. So, okay. You know, you know here, here's, here's what's upsetting me about all of this, probably more than anything else. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she's served um, on the Supreme Court for how, how many years now? Was it? Uh, like 23 30? years. It was like was 23. It 23? 23, okay. 27. It was 20 some years. Yeah, yeah, I mean, served a long time. Now, whether you yeah, agreed yeah. with her her viewpoints or not, as as an American citizen, I can appreciate that level of dedication and service in the the highest court in the land. And and we as as a nation should be able to at least take the time to mourn and celebrate her life, whether we agreed with her politics and policies or not but we're losing our mind over all of it. And it's all politically based and yeah. nobody. Uh oh, did I lose you? I, I think he was flailing around so much that he uh, upended his, his computer. All right, we're back. <laughs> I have no idea what happened there. It was like, we're talking, you crapped out, and I thought, I think I lost him. And then all of a sudden, no, the, the, I lost it. Something happened on my end, so my apologies. Yeah, and, and my whole rant is now over because I just You're, finished Yeah, just up. like, right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably better. It's just a Jason rant. We'll just let that lie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, in a nutshell, I was saying we're not able to actually mourn and celebrate the life uh, service and accomplishments of uh, Justice Ginsburg, whether you agree with her politics and policies or not, um, because we're so wrapped up in the political implication of her death and or replacement. It's it's sad. It's terrible. Yeah, it's sad. And, you know, there there were people last night on Twitter. They were they were incensed that the president hadn't said anything about Ruth Bader Ginsburg after news started breaking of her passing. And what a lot of people didn't realize was he was actually on stage. I think it was in North Carolina. He was on stage at the time when the new, as the news was breaking. And I've seen Trump speak in person now two times, twice. I've seen him speak twice. And when he takes the stage, he's on the stage for at least two hours. Mm -hmm. 
at least two hours. He fills two hours. He's funny. He's talking the entire time for two hours. I mean, just keeps going. And so he was on stage. And of course, nobody interrupted him. No, none of his handlers came out to whisper in his ear or anything like that. They figured, well, just tell him afterwards. And as soon as he was done speaking, he left, you know, he walked off the stage and he's walking back to get in the, uh, get in the motorcade. And, uh, and this is, I have the, the clip of when he was confronted about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and when he first learns of it. And watch this. This is, I thought this was a really cool moment with the president. And, um, and here you can just uh, you can check it out for yourself. So you can actually hear Tiny Dancer. It begins to play in the background, which I thought was kind of uh, kind of neat, given that uh, he's about ready to talk about RBG. Uh, but this is because of he's just to the side of the large uh, the large rally that was being held. So you can hear all of the music that's playing as people are departing the rally. She just died. Wow. I didn't know that. I just, uh, you're telling me now for the first time. She led an amazing life. What else can you say? She was an amazing woman. Whether you agreed or not, she was an amazing woman who led an amazing life. I'm actually sad to hear that. I am sad to hear that. Thank you very much. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was amazing. That's that's interesting. That's almost that's almost exactly what I was trying to uh, to emphasize when I lost or you lost me in all that. Yeah. Was, um, <laughs> we're not allowed to actually recognize her as an amazing woman who did leave yeah. an amazing life, um, sure. and and was dedicated to serving her country in the best way she felt she could for twenty years or twenty three to twenty seven years. More than most people, uh, career military men are in the service. Yeah. Um, that's, that's an amazing sign of dedication. Now, again, whether you agree with her policy and politics or not, um, we're not able to actually focus on that right now. Everybody's so laser focused on her replacement. Who's going to do what? The politics behind it. The fact that she, a public servant, has passed is almost secondary. Yeah. And that's sad. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. It is sad. It, what was um, what was what I found a little amazing about that whole thing is uh, there were a lot of people on the left who, after seeing that clip of the president, were actually taken aback and people were saying, wow, I'm really surprised. Like, I'm impressed by the way he responded. And, and I'm thinking and the, the whole time I'm reading these comments and I'm thinking, you have to get out of your bubble. Mm-hmm. You you have to get out of your bubble, you you really do. I mean, these people think that these people think that the man is just uh, is just egregious, and and yet we've got we've got peace that's now happening in the Middle East. We have we have unprecedented peace deals that the Trump administration has has negotiated, and it's completely changing the Middle East right now. Assuming all mm-hmm. of this. Uh, you know, holds up. The, um, you know, diplomats were in Washington, D.C. this past week, and they signed what were called the Lincoln Accords, which was to solidify these peace talks. 
And of course, the media's reaction to it was, uh, was astonishment because everybody on the White House lawn, they were sitting close together and many were not wearing masks. That's what they talked about. <laughs> That's what they focused on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and that, that shocks me about this much. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so. <sighs> it's, it's sad. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do believe that there was a point in this country where our, our media actually did real unbiased journalism that's that time has long passed yeah um, i mean and anybody to say otherwise is just either completely ignorant or intentionally naive but it, it's there is absolutely no unbiased media out there at this point i mean how can you actually look at a situation like what you're talking about where we've got peace happening in a region of the world that has never been accomplished attempted and don't don't sit there and think for a minute that other presidents other peacekeepers throughout our lifetime have not been trying to accomplish this very thing they have we have hasn't worked the fact that that was been done that should be earth-shattering information that should be celebrated worldwide um, and Benjamin Netanyahu actually made reference to that when he was talking about it the, the fact that these this is happening, whether we agree with one side or the other of politics, take a moment to set that aside and just rejoice in the peace that we have been able to accomplish as a, as a world right now, as a species, and yeah. relish in it because it is absolutely historic. And you have people from the news that can't get past wearing a mask on the White House lawn that's what matters that's what you think the american people give two shits about i mean come on so we're gonna dive in yeah we're gonna dive into this in a little bit here uh but i wanted to share something that i thought was pretty uh pretty humorous here um i don't know if you know this but uh the emmys are gonna take place tomorrow are you gonna watch are you watching the emmys i don't think i've ever watched no I don't, I don't think no. I've ever actually watched the Emmys. Um, no, I don't, I, 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 I don't care. I, I don't, don't care. care. Uh, <clears throat> they, um, so I guess the, I guess the Emmys are going to be virtual pretty much for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> so this is according, this is according to screen rant. I don't know if anybody's okay. heard about this yet, but um, <clears throat> this was published today. According to screen rant, they do a lot of uh, movie news. They talk about a lot of TV movie news. So they have a, they have a headline here. Emmys 2020 will hand out awards using tuxedo hazmat suits. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is not the Babylon Bee. This is not the onion. This is a (laughs) Emmys 2020 will hand out awards using tuxedo hazmat suits. There are hazmat suits that, that are designed. They, you know, they're black, and and you know white yeah they have puffs and they got like, a big rubber bow tie it just reminds me of the the redneck tuxedo you know the t-shirt with oh, the tuxedo yeah. in the front yeah well that's kind of what it looks like look look i'll show it to you here's a, oh here's my a god picture here's a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know 
looks like the was it the wacky whaley flailing arm swinging tube man you know you that you stick up on for like when you're selling cars out oh. on the lot <laughs> and you got that little guy who's out there doing the flailing his arms because it's got the yeah. fan blowing up it i swear that's what that looks like are I, they serious about I, this i thought it kind of looked like dark helmet from, from Spaceballs? Uh, from Spaceballs, yeah. Because didn't he have a tie? Didn't he have... Yes, he had, the little, tie? He, had a, he had a tie. It was a plastic yeah. straight yeah. tie. Not a bow tie, but Yeah, a it wasn't a bow tie. tie. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, my good luck. Yeah, this, so, this can't be for realsies. It says, in a move that should surprise no one who's been paying attention in 2020, the Emmys will be using tuxedo hazmat suits to hand out this year's award. Yeah. Uh, it goes on. If you want to know a little bit more, it says um, this year's ceremony, which we broadcast on Sunday night, September 20th, that's tomorrow, is already departing from tradition as a result of the coronavirus pandemic, hosting a virtual ceremony presented by Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, that's news for me to not watch. The unusual undertaking will see cameras reportedly go into the homes of nominated stars with presenters also doing things remotely. I guess the camera, when the cameras go in, they're going to be wearing the hazmat suits. I don't know. The year's top nominees include Disney, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Uh, now ED, EW reports that winners will be given their awards by presenters wearing custom-made tuxedo hazmat suits. The suits were designed by Katja Cahill. Katja Cahill. I, I have no idea who that is. Who is known for her awards show work. And Guy Carrington, one of the executive producers of this year's Emmys. The suits will be worn by the presenters in an attempt to humorously acknowledge the pandemic and the strange situation of having a virtual awards ceremony. Yeah. Wait, they're going to make it more awkward? Yeah. So they're, that it's fun? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Judging by the rationale above, the suits are an attempt at lightening the mood of the event, which is taking place in the midst of a pandemic and just a few weeks before one of the most hard-fought elections in American history. Unfortunately, the little joke might end up backfiring on the Emmys. Kimmel has already acknowledged that this year's Emmys might be the lowest rated yet. You think? You think? Yeah, nobody's watching. I don't watch and, but well, time out. Nobody's watching. If they really do think that the hazmat suits are going to play a big part in their poo-poo ratings, I got news for you. Your poo-poo ratings are happening because you're having a virtual ceremony, not because of a hazmat suit. Yeah, yeah. Which looks ridiculous. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Kimmel said that the stunt could be seen as a crass attempt to get attention for the ceremony. Yeah, you think? The problem is that it could be accused of making light of the pandemic, a crisis that has already taken the lives of over 200,000 Americans. As such, the Emmys may find themselves up for even more criticism. Just a day after after. Actor John Leguizamo called for a boycott of this year's ceremony due to what he calls Hollywood's cultural apartheid. Oh boy. No, there was one. Uh, the show seems to be treading a fine line between dark humor and a tasteless joke with the hazmat suit, and it remains to be seen how audiences will react to the stunt. Yeah, I think well, it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Hollywood no, just not- can't stop being dumb. I don't, I don't know if they just, you can tell me that that's a joke all you want. I think somebody was dead serious when they did that. Could you imagine if Outbreak, the movie, like came out this year and was nominated? (laughs) (laughs) That's a dramatic irony right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Here's another one in a, you talk about irony. Okay. Well, how about this one? 
Um, with violent crime on the rise in Minneapolis, city council asks, where, are, where the are the police? I heard that actually. That now the funny part is though, I thought that was a joke. They're oh, yeah. serious. Oh, the yeah. city council actually they've got carjackings in they've, broad daylight. Well, they they and they're going, where are the police? They've yeah, the ones yeah. that have defunded, they've already removed um, was it ten million dollars just in the last six weeks. Yeah. On top of of the amount that they cut out of their budget six months ago, yeah, but, but um, now they're all freaked out because uh, yeah. there's there's nobody because because they sent the message that <clears throat> look we're getting rid of the police force. Um, council members told Chief Madaria Arredondo that their constituents are seeing and hearing street racing, which sometimes results in crashes. No, really, brazen daylight carjackings carjackings, robberies, assaults, and shootings. And they asked Arredondo what the department is doing about it. Well, nothing, because you pulled my budget. Yeah. So yeah. why should I? You yeah. have openly threatened the cops, our officers. If I was the chief, I would say my officers, right. with not only their jobs and pensions, but also their livelihood. <clears throat> You've openly called for them um, and saying it's okay and support the idea that they can be assaulted by random citizens. And if any of those citizens are actually arrested for assaulting the police, we're gonna actually let them out of jail. So it's a get out of jail free card for anybody who's actually harming the police officers. And then you want them to go out and actually try and enforce the laws mm -hmm. while you're standing over them, criticizing them and threatening them not only with their livelihood, but in some cases, they're up for prosecution. You're threatening them with their freedom and lives. Right. And remember, remember, there were all liberals all over the country saying, well, defunding the police doesn't mean defunding the police. Well, why are you saying defunding the police then if that's not what you mean? And now they're surprised. Well, when we talked about defunding the police, um, we actually defunded the police. It's amazing how words mean things and what happens and the, and the collective consciousness of people that, you know, of course, criminals are going to be like, there's no police around. Let's have street racing in the well, daylight. Let's do stuff. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's, let's do stuff. I mean, what, what did you expect was going to happen? And remember, we had Democrats all over the, all over the nation saying, well, we're going to actually take that money that police actually have, and we're going to move it over here and bring in, social workers who will go out and engage with the community. You know, I'm really sick and tired of the whole rainbows and unicorn. Like, what world do you people live in? What, what, what <laughs> world do you live in where you think social workers are going to go out and go door to door and they're going to stop people from doing daylight carjackings? They just need to be rationalized with and, and somebody to empathetically meet with them so that they can understand their plight. Because that's all this is. It's, it's not about people being violent for the sake of being violent or for committing crimes for the sake of committing crimes because they know that there is no punishment. That can't be it. It must be. And it only can be because they, nobody is listening to their plight. And right. so if we have a social worker, a counselor go out and actually sit and talk with the, the, uh, the poor and destitute amongst us, then there will be no crime because they'll, right. they'll be able to get that off their chest and, and everybody will be happy and we can all group hug okay, and go home. Uh, no. It's interesting though, the mayor of Minneapolis, is that not where we had all the police had to go hold up outside the mayor's house? 
because after calling for the defunding of the police, the mayor's house was being attacked and trying to be raided. So, well, I know that happened in Portland. It may have happened. That did in happen. I, I, I think I, it did there too. I know that they 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 chased out the 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 mayor of Minneapolis at one of the initial rallies because he said he didn't he was not in favor of defunding the police even though he was he's a Democrat and so they booed him out of the out of the uh, the drum circle that they were having there. Um, drum circle. <laughs> yeah, this is this is insane. We had you know just this just a few days ago uh, in New York City, Bill De Blasio had to furlough himself. He had to furlough, furlough himself because, you know, everything shut down. Well, you know, he, you know, with Governor Cuomo over there putting, putting COVID patients in nursing homes and killing off the elderly, uh, everything was locked down and has been locked down in New York City for quite some time now. And well, if, if nobody is going into the high, the, you know, all of the skyscrapers and they're not working in the offices, well, then there's nobody around to, to visit the small restaurants and the various shops and the hot dog and coffee salesmen that are on the street corners and all of that. So those, those businesses are shutting down. Um, they're not making any money. And as a consequence, the revenues of, of New York City have, well, they've plummeted. Mm -hmm. And New York City right now has like a $9 billion shortfall in revenue. And so the entire mayor's office Bill de Blasio's office has been furloughed for one week. Now they're trying to, that's not to say that the mayor's office consumes $9 billion. I'm sure there's other furloughing that's happening across the city, but there are 500 people in the mayor's office that got furloughed. 500 people for the city of New York's mayor's office. That is insane. That is an insane <laughs> amount of people working in the mayor's office. What the hell is happening in New York City? Oh, what? it's it's a it's crazy. You and I were talking about this. We were actually having a revenue and tax discussion. Um, yeah. But you know, there's there's been a mass exodus before COVID. I mean, we go back mm -hmm. uh, to latter part of last year. We'll say um, there's a mass exodus out of New York City already because they increased the taxes on the what the top 1% of earners in New York city, I think it was anything over, I think it was over a million dollars. Yeah. Well, guess what? The, those people are the ones that actually pay 90% of New York city's tax revenue. Yeah. Somewhere in the, in the realm of, Oh, I don't know, right around $9 billion worth. So they, the answer, and, and this is, I keep hearing this out of everywhere. Well, we have, in order to actually satisfy all of these um, um, programs, all of these impoverished programs, all these benefit programs, we need to increase the amount of taxes we charge on the rich so that everybody else and all the, the poor and destitute amongst us can get their fair share from the other people who are making all the money paying their fair share again. Well, guess what happened in New York? Everybody's leaving. People are going to, to New York, or uh, excuse me, to Texas. They're going to Florida. They're going to other states across the country where the tax dollars or the tax revenue, excuse me, is much more conducive to actually running a business and keeping the money that they've got. So New York's pushed all of their business, a lot of their business out. Now they're operating in a deficit. So now what? What's going to happen? Well, pretty soon, 
they're going to start having to figure out how to come up with a $9 billion furloughing employees. I'm sorry, even in the mayor's office, which yes, having 500 people in the friggin' mayor's office is absolutely bonkers. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about how many people that is, look at how many people work where you are. Right. I mean, even big companies <laughs> don't have 500 employees in one place. You're talking about in the mayor's office. That's one little tiny part <laughs> of the New York infrastructure. 500 people, that's gross overhead. But they're going to have to come up with this money somewhere. And I'm guaranteeing you right now what's going to be coming next is even as stupid as they know it is, they're going to be talking about increasing the taxes on guess who? Small business owners, property owners. If you make, hey, maybe a million dollars isn't quite good enough. We're going to drop that down to $750,000 a year. And what is that going to do? It's not going to increase your revenue. It's going to increase the amount of people getting the frick out of New York City. And then all those high rises, all those apartments where you pay a $1 million for a one bedroom or studio apartment in New York, they're going to wake up and go, uh-uh, for that, I can go out to, as sad as it may sound, Arizona, and I can buy for a million dollars, I can buy a six bedroom house with three bathrooms, a theater, nine acres of land, and hire 20 people to come work all of it for me so I don't have to. I mean, the the what that kind of money will get you in other places outside of that area where you're not getting taxed out the wazoo for it, it's insane. And look, there's a common thread. There's places besides New York that have the same makeup. Look at California, and I mean Southern California. I'm sorry for all of you people up in Northern California that really wish you had a different state representation up there i really do apologize for you but you look at la um san diego those places have the same problems the exact <laughs> same they're running at deficits out of revenue they're increasing taxes all over the place people are fleeing california just like new york and going to other places and i'm telling you arizona better wake up because there's another tax initiative coming up on the ballot here soon. And they're doing the same thing they always do when they want to take more of your money. They're saying it's going to the children. Oh, yeah. It's going to go to kids. Proposition 208 here. In 208. 208. Yep. And what that is going to do, it's going to send the tax revenue for small businesses and anybody making yeah. money over $250,000, which is yeah. actually not very much if you're a business owner. <laughs> Keeping in mind the Arizona tax code, if you own the business, the business revenue is your individual revenue. If the business right. made money, you made over $250,000. And the tax revenue is actually the is going to jump up I think it was something ridiculous, like 84%. It was insane. And if that happens, Arizona economy is going to tank. I'm warning you right now. Don't just see it's for the kids and vote yes. Pay attention to what you're doing. It'll pass. I guarantee you it'll pass because all of these things pass. Um, and I'm sick of it because every single election here in Arizona, there is always a new measure there's always a new ballot measure to increase education funding every two years there's always one and they always pass and i'm sick of it these people are like vampires 
There is never good, it's never good enough. I, we can't even get two years, we can't even go two years without, without educators saying, well, we need more money. I'm tired of it, I'm sick of it. No, I'm voting no on Prop 208. Whoa, but, 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 I got some craziness with Joe Biden here. Okay. I have some, okay, have I'll, some I'll, I'll pause. I, I, I have, needed, I, I needed some, a breath anyway. Yeah, I, I have some craziness with Joe Biden. And the reason why, is because we're going we're gonna to talk about the CDC timeline here. We're going to talk about the Trump timeline oh, okay. Good. With, with COVID. You know, Biden has been out the last few days and he started saying, well, even prior to that, a few weeks ago, he started saying how if only, if only Trump had, had said things earlier, if only Trump had taken action earlier in the year, like back in January, mm-hmm. then you know, we would be in a much different place in, you know, with regard to COVID. If I were president, I would have done things differently. He never says what he would do. He right. just says that, that President Trump didn't take action. He even well, went so far as to say that Trump never talked about it during his uh, uh, State of the Union speech, which he did. President yeah, he Trump did. did talk about it during the State of the Union address. Uh, and these are things that the media could actually easily fact check him on but they refuse to do their job. Well, so, no, it's 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 a, it's not a refusal. It's an absolute acceptance, and they do not want to fact well, check they, any yeah, of that. They don't want but to. But I will check. argue with you on one point, and and you'll yeah. probably hit it in the timeline. But I'm, I'm so if I'm jumping sure. ahead, I apologize because mm-hmm. you don't share show notes with me, so yeah. you get what you get. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he actually did once. I mean, uh-huh. he would talk about what he would quote unquote do differently uh-huh. when, when president Trump actually put the travel ban in place, he actually talked about how he saw it differently because he called it fear mongering. He called it an over dramatization for attention, etc. He actually said it was a bunch of BS while Trump had already enacted the travel ban. Yeah. But see, but see, that's not actually saying what you're going to do. That's just, that's just Monday morning quarterbacking is all that is. <laughs> Uh, but, but so here, you know, I have a buddy that I, that I talk politics with all the time. He still lives there in, in Flagstaff. He's, he's not you. No, not you. (laughs) He's actually, he's actually a a closet. Uh, he's a closet conservative. Who's a liberal because, well, his wife's a teacher. And when, when you know somebody, when you're, when you, when you share a household with somebody who's a teacher, well, then you kind of have to just kind of go along to get along, which I totally get. I totally get it. Um, but, uh, so, you know, we, we banter back and forth all the time. I don't even know where I was going with that, but, oh, I remember where I was going with that. And I was, what my point to all that, <laughs> my point in all that is, is I always have to remind him, I'm like, dude, everything in politics is scripted. Everything mm-hmm. that happens in politics, somebody has, there's some, you, you know, you have this, this team behind you who says, hey, when you step out in front of the cameras, I want you to do this. Or as soon as the camera comes in your face, the first question, it doesn't matter what the question is, the first thing you need to say is this, okay? Mm-hmm. Everything is scripted. Every little thing is scripted. Somebody told Biden, hey, when you get off this plane, I want you to look over to the, just, you know, look out and then wave. Look out oh, because the cameras are going to be there. Is this the cornfield? Yes, I want the cameras are going to be there and we want to catch you waving. So somebody told him that. Yeah. Okay. Well, somebody I know. had to have told him that. 
They did. They they wanted to show him waving to the crowd of people yes. to a right. And, However, and, and they watch. weren't Check expecting Check this. It Check yeah. it out. Here it goes. He gets off. Hi. Hey. Hey. There's nobody There's out nobody there. There's nobody back there. There's yeah, nobody I know. back there. He got off and he waved to nobody. Yeah. Somebody told him, hey, you know, wave, just, just wave, just wave. It's going to be, we're, we're going to, we want to make it look like we've got, you know, hundreds of people who've come out to see you. Yeah. But so just wave out that way. There's yeah. not going to be, but you know what do and do the finger point thing. Everybody do likes the, it. Do the finger hey, point. you, I recognize you. You're my buddy. How's yeah. it going? I remember you, you were at the last place I stopped in Cleveland or Pittsburgh or wherever that was. I don't know. Somebody forgot to tell me this, when I landed. This is my, this is a favorite one. This is one that I, you know, this is, this is the Democrats start to starting to let the cat out of the bag. They're basically now saying what they're not supposed to be saying. Listen, listen, listen to Kamala Harris. To make sure you have a president in the White House who actually sees you who understands your needs, who understands the dignity of your work, and who has your back. A Harris administration together with Joe Biden. Wait, what? Whoa. What, what, what was Whoa. that? Oops. Oops, a Daisy. Administration together with Joe Biden as the president. A Harris administration. Uh -huh. back. There it is. A Harris administration together with Joe Biden as the president of the United States. <laughs> Well, we, we talked a little bit about this last, was it last week? I think it was that he's, he's not, I actually made the point. There's no way he's going anywhere to meet with any diplomats, any ambassadors, anyone. He can't, he can't. He can't do it. He can't, he can't, he can't do it. So they're already planning on sending everyone and anyone else, but him to anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, so okay. So, you know, we, we talked about how Biden was saying Trump hasn't had a plan. He's never had a plan about COVID and how to deal with COVID. All right. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to break it down. Okay. You ready for this? I Probably not, but go for it anyway. All right. January 3rd. 2020, CDC Director Robert Redfield sent an email to the director of the Chinese CDC, George Gao, formally offering to send U.S. experts to China to investigate the coronavirus. January 5th, CDC Director Redfield sent another email to the Chinese CDC Director George Gao, formally offering to send U.S. experts to China to investigate the coronavirus outbreak. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's just Robert Redfield. He's just sending emails. What big, what, what big whoop. What, what big whoop? Well, he's working for the CDC, which means he does ultimately report to the President of the United States. So the, the administration is beginning things as early as January 3rd. January 6th, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issued a level one travel notice for Wuhan, China, due to the spreading coronavirus. On, this, on January 7th, the CDC established a coronavirus incident management system to better share and respond to information about the virus. January 11th, the CDC updated a level one travel ban, travel health notice for Wuhan, China. January 17th, the CDC began implementing public health entry screening at the three U.S. Airport, airports that received the most travelers from Wuhan, San, San Francisco, New York, JFK, and Los Angeles. And I don't know if you remember this, but during this time, this early, early to mid-January, when all this was happening, 
uh, Trump was being accused of racism because of this. Right. All of no, this was yeah. considered racist. Yes. How dare he? To institute a travel ban was was um, absolutely racist. It was insensitive. It was segregatory. He was being a dictator. Um, yeah. Absolutely remember all of that. <clears throat> yeah. January 20th, Dr. Fauci announces the National Institutes of Health is already working on the development of a vaccine for the coronavirus. January 21st, 2020, the CDC activated its emergency operations center to provide ongoing support to the coronavirus response. January 23rd, the CDC sought a special emergency authorization from the FDA to allow states to use its newly developed coronavirus test. January 27th, President Trump tweeted that he made an offer to President Xi Jinping to send experts to China to investigate the coronavirus outbreak. So now we're coming up to the end of January. There's a flurry of activity that is happening at the CDC. Mm -hmm. yeah. An absolute flurry yep. of, of, of activity. Um, January 27th, the CDC issued a level three travel health notice urging Americans to avoid all, all non-essential travel to China due to the coronavirus. January 27th, the White House Coronavirus Task Force started meeting to help monitor and contain the spread of the virus and provide updates to the president. January 29th, the White House announced the formation of the Coronavirus Task Force to help monitor and contain the spread of the virus and provide updates to the president. So the day when President Trump announced it, that the, announced the formation of that task force, the task force was already working two days prior. Okay. January 31st. Whoa, whoa, the, oh, whoa. Yeah. I think this is a, a point of order, if I may. So we have twice, as far as I can see it, where the president has actually informed the public, whether through, excuse me, tweet number one, or his actual formal announcement of this formation of the coronavirus task force about what has been going on. Now, keeping in mind, this task force was formed on the 27th of January. He announced it on the 29th. 48 hours later. Correct. Okay. Now, one of the many accusations I've heard is that he has not been transparent. Correct. So far, I'm seeing a president actually talking to the public about what's going on far more than what we had during swine flu or SARS. Um, that was not really talked about. Not until it was way blown up. Am I crazy in that or am i seeing am i reading the timeline correctly i think you're just racist oh, okay that must be <clears throat> continue yeah, I, I think you're just racist um january 31st the trump administration declared the coronavirus a public health emergency announced chinese travel restrictions suspended entry into the united states for foreign nationals who pose a risk of transmitting the coronavirus january days later yeah. January 31st, the Department of Homeland Security took critical steps to funnel all flights from China into just seven domestic U.S. airports. What had Democrats done at this point as of January 31st? Impeachment. February 2nd, the CDC expanded enhanced entry screening to eight major airports across the nation. February 3rd, the CDC had a team ready to travel to China to obtain critical information on the novel coronavirus, but were in the U.S. awaiting permission to enter by the Chinese government. February 4th, President Trump vowed in his State of the Union address to take all necessary steps to protect Americans from the coronavirus. February 5th, the Trump administration and health officials briefed lawmakers on the federal government's coronavirus response efforts. Look, another briefing for lawmakers. 
Federal, February 6th, the CDC began shipping CDC-developed test kits for the 2019 novel coronavirus to U.S. and international labs. February 7th, President Trump told reporters that the CDC is working with China on the coronavirus. A lot of transparency happening here. Now, yeah. I, will, I will admit, you know, when we were initially developing these tests, um, we were, we were, it was rapid development. Mm-hmm. Now, were these tests awesome right out of the gate? No, no. they weren't awesome right out of the gate. No. Um, but we had to go, we had to start somewhere. Sure. We had to get something started. And the only way you get something started is by getting something out there and then iterating on it and finding out what's working. But right. hopefully you're able to do something with it. So was it perfect? No, they no. weren't perfect. But, but it was look better at what nothing. we've got from January 6th to February 6th. We have test developed, created, manufactured, verified, and on their way to China. Um, that's pretty impressive, frankly. February 7th, uh, oh, continuing February 7th is the day that Trump told Woodward that the coronavirus is, quote, more deadly than your, you know, your, even your strenuous flus, unquote. He knows it's a serious issue and he's already done quite a bit to protect the American people. Because that whole Woodward thing, people are saying, well, he just mm-hmm. didn't care. No. Yeah. Just the opposite. No. February 9th, the White House Coronavirus Task Force briefed governors from across the nation at the National Governors, governors Association meeting in Washington. February 11th, the Department of Health and Human Services, Services expanded a partnership with Janssen Research and Development to, quote, expedite the development, unquote, of a corona, coronavirus vaccine. February 12th, the U.S. shipped test kits for the 2019 novel coronavirus to approximately 30 countries who lacked the necessary reagents and other materials. So Trump is already helping a big, a big portion of the, of the world mm-hmm. to deal with this. Right. Also February 12th, the CDC was prepared to travel to China but had yet to receive permission from the Chinese government. February 14th, Valentine's Day, the CDC began working with five labs to conduct a community-based influenza, influenza surveillance to study and detect the spread of coronavirus. February 18th, HHS announced it would engage with Sanofi Pasteur in an effort to develop, to quickly develop a coronavirus vaccine and to develop treatment for coronavirus infections. February 22nd, a WHO team of international experts arrives in Wuhan, China. February 24th, the Trump administration sent a letter to Congress requesting at least 2.5 billion to help combat the spread of the coronavirus. Incidentally, this is the same day that Speaker Pelosi was telling constituents to come on down to Chinatown. Come on down to Chinatown, right. It's fantastic. (laughs) February 25th, HHS Secretary Azar testified before the Senate Help Committee on the administration's coronavirus response efforts. February 26th, President Trump discussed coronavirus containment efforts with Indian Prime Minister Modi and updated the press on his administration's containment efforts in the U.S., during his state visit to India. February 29th, the Food and Drug Administration allowed certified labs to develop and begin testing coronavirus testing kits while reviewing pending applications. I have to, I have to say, getting anything approved by the FDA is ridiculous. And one of the things it that is. Trump did during this time frame is he rolled back, he suspended a lot of the regulations so that uh, it didn't take as long. Correct. 
February 29th, the Trump administration announced a level four travel advisory to areas of Italy and South Korea. Also, that was considered racist. He barred all travel to Iran, also was considered racist, barred the entry of foreign citizens who visited Iran in the last 14 days. He called that racist as well. They called that racist as well. March 3rd, the CDC lifted federal restrictions on coronavirus testing to allow any American to be tested for coronavirus, subject to doctor's orders. There were restrictions up until this point. There were. Because what, quite frankly, there just were not a lot of tests. So they were going to yep. like, it's a scarce resources. You had to get them to where they were, they were most needed. So most people yep. could not get a test at the time up until this point. March 3rd, the White House announced President Trump donated his fourth quarter salary to fight the coronavirus. <laughs> Not been heard of a word in the media. Not, Not a word. I bet Not you most people out there, and even in the sound of my voice, have didn't even know that. Oh. Didn't know that. This was also the day after New York City Mayor told New Yorkers to go to the movies, even offering recommendations. New York had its first confirmed case of COVID on the same day Bill de Blasio told people to hit theaters. And here's his tweet. Bill de Blasio, since I'm encouraging New Yorkers to go on with their lives, plus get out on the town despite coronavirus, I thought I would offer some suggestions. Here's the first. Through Thursday 3-5, go see The Traitor. At Filmlink, if The Wire was a true story, plus set in Italy, this would be this. It would be this film. But now, what are they saying? It was terrible. The coronavirus it was, was terrible. awful. Yep. March fourth, the Trump administration announced the purchase of approximately 500 million N95 respirators over the next 18 months to respond to the outbreak of the novel coronavirus. March fourth. Secretary Azar announced that HHS was transferring $35 million to the CDC to help state and local communities that have been impacted most by the coronavirus. March 6th, President Trump signed an $8.3 billion bill to fight the coronavirus outbreak. The bill provides $7.76 billion to federal, state, and local agencies to combat the coronavirus and authorizes an additional $500 million in waivers for Medicare telehealth restrictions. But remember, he wasn't doing anything. He wasn't doing, he wasn't anything. doing anything. Right. March right. 9th. And didn't take it seriously. And didn't take it seriously. Remember that. March 9th, President Trump called on Congress to pass a payroll tax cut over coronavirus. March 10th, President Trump and VP Pence met with top health insurance companies and secured a commitment to waive copays for coronavirus testing. It's amazing that right after this time period, after all of this federal money was flooding into the states, for coronavirus, and now health insurance companies were waiving copays for coronavirus. It's amazing how the numbers began to jump. Yeah, you know incentives yep. and all of that. March 11th, right. President Trump announced travel restrictions on foreigners who had visited Europe in the last 14 days. That was also considered racist. Directed the SBA to issue low interest. SBA stands for Small Business Association to issue low interest loans to affected small businesses and called on Congress to increase this fund by 50 billion. Also March 11th, directed the Treasury Department to defer tax payments for affected individuals and businesses and provide 200 billion in additional liquidity. Met with American bankers at the White House to discuss coronavirus. On March 13th, President Trump declared a national emergency in order to access $42 billion in existing funds to combat the coronavirus. March 13th, President Trump announced private 
public-private partnerships to open up drive-through test drive-through testing collection sites, a pause on interest payments on federal student loans, an order to the Department of Energy to purchase oil for the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. On March 13th, the Food and Drug Administration granted Roche AG an emergency approval for automated coronavirus testing kits issued an emergency approval to Thermo Fisher for a coronavirus test within 24 hours of receiving the request. That's unheard of. That's insane. On March, absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. On March 13th, HHS announced funding for the development of two new rapid diagnostic tests, which would be able to detect coronavirus in approximately one hour. March 14th, the coronavirus relief bill passed the House of Representatives. March Whoa, stop. Yep. Stop. New diagnostic rapid testing. Keep in mind, these are the same ones we are using right now. You were just talking about our first batch of testing and our, were they perfect? No. Did we need to get them out? Yes. Did we make improvements on them? Absolutely. Time frame. That was February 9th, I believe. We're here at March 13th, less than th or 30 days. It's unheard of. It's insane for in one month for that kind of leap in, in uh, just development. In technology and especially yeah. medical technology. I can Correct. tell you, you, you can develop technology um, for any other sector in the, <laughs> any other sector in existence, that technology can move forward. When it comes to medical technology, there are thousands of hurdles you have to get through. Yeah. Um, this kind of normal testing development and, and improvement would normally take, Years. years and i mean yeah. years uh, yeah to get through so yeah. anyway continue march 14th the trump administration announced the european travel ban will extend to the uk and ireland also considered racist march 15th president trump had a phone call with over two dozen grocery store executives to discuss ongoing demand for food and other supplies by this time people were getting ready they were starting to buy toilet paper toilet paper yep March 15th, HHS announced it is projected to have 1.9 million COVID-19 tests available in 2,000 labs this week. March 15th, Google announced a partnership with the Trump administration to develop a website dedicated to coronavirus education, prevention, and local resources. Also on the 15th, all 50 states were contacted through FEMA to coordinate federally supported state-led efforts to end coronavirus. March 16th, President Trump held a teleconference with governors to discuss coronavirus preparedness and response, participate in a call with G7 leaders who committed to increasing coordination in response to the coronavirus and restoring global economic confidence. This is insane. Mm -hmm. He's working with governors so that they can work. Here's, here's the important thing to remember. <laughs> you don't want Washington, D.C. making decisions down at the local level. Well, you can't. Our government is not set up that way. But you don't even want that to happen. They're too no, far removed could, from the problem. Would, correct, they're, correct. They're too far removed because, because Phoenix is a completely different landscape, not just in terms of geography, but also in terms of people and the way information and people flow through the city. It's far different than a place like Chicago or a place like Tampa or a place like Seattle. You can't have central planning. It's going to fail. So he's working with the governors so that the governors can figure out what's best for their states. Yeah. And that's the way our government's set up. And that's, and our states are, are, are different. Our demographics are different. Our makeups are different. Um, it, it's, and that's the, again, that is the way our government system is set up to work. You cannot have a dictator dictating to the entire country how it's going to go. 
It's not the way it happens. It's not the way it should happen. And trust me, you don't want it that way either. And you don't want it that way. Also, March 16th, announced the first potential vaccine for coronavirus has entered a phase one trial in a record amount of time. That's insane. Yeah. Announced um, 15 days to slow the spread coronavirus guidance. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Remember yep. 15 days to slow the spread? 15 days to slow the spread. Yep. It wasn't supposed to That's be shut we down. Were, that was... No, no, but that it wasn't was the shut idea down until where, a cure, right? Correct. Yeah, just, that was where everybody got the idea. If we just kind of chilled out, held up for two weeks, we were good. Right. And at this point, at this point, toilet paper became rarer than diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> If, if you could wipe your butt with diamonds, you'd be better off because you, you could probably get them cheaper too. Because everybody, everybody in the country immediately thought, I need to shit. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> that was where our minds went to. I just, I still... Having I need to lived take a dump. through it to this day, don't understand <laughs> why toilet paper. What was I, I, <laughs> I cannot wrap my head around it, dude. What is toilet? I had, I had to go. You can't, I, you can't make masks <laughs> out of toilet paper. And what are we doing now, or could we have been doing then that toilet paper was gonna save the world? I still don't understand. <laughs> I lived it and I don't get it. One of these days, my daughter is going to be reading about COVID-19 in the history books and she's going to ask me about it and ask me, why was there a scarce supply of toilet paper? I'm going to go, because stupid people be crazy. That's all I got. I, I, I remember, I remember one of these days, it was like right around this time. I had to go to Fry's at seven o'clock in the morning so that I could get some toilet paper because, because the world had gone insane. Okay. And I wanted like one package. And I remember getting in there and they were opening, they were opening the box. And I'm standing there waiting and I look over and there's another dude about my age. He looks over at me, you know, and, and we both had that look <laughs> yeah, like that moment. <laughs> yeah. You, you both had that look. We're looking at each other. Like, you know, somebody else in our household is forcing us to be here. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. We have ladies at home. It's yeah. not about us. Right. And it was like, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was like, it was like abject failure, right? Like two men yeah. standing there at seven o'clock at, at 7 a.m. in the morning on, at Fry's waiting for them to open the box of ass paper. You were like a like, pack of dogs ready to yeah. bounce on a three-legged like, cat. Right. And it's like, this is what has become of our lives. Like this is, this is reality. This is... Yeah. Yeah. This is the world we live in. We, yeah. We're not and, fighting over the prettiest maid in the tribe anymore. Right. We're fighting over poop paper. Right. And we both just kind of looked at each other like, yeah, this is ridiculous. Yeah, this is stupid. This is this really is stupid. stupid. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. March 16th, the FDA announced it was empowering states to authorize tests developed and used by labs in their states. March 16th, Assistant Secretary of Health confirmed the availability of 1 million coronavirus tests and projected 2 million tests available the next week and 5 million the following. Wasn't it about this time, or maybe it was in April, I don't remember, it's all a blur to me now, but I think it was around this time when, when the supposed experts were saying that 
we're not going to be able to open up um, at all. We're not going to be able to come out of this 15 days to slow the spread thing until we can do something like, it, it, it was something like 2 million tests per day. Oh, yeah. They, well, they were, they were trying to calculate how many, um, how many people they would have to test nationwide, at least, is where they were focusing, before they could ensure that everybody had been effectively isolated long enough that the virus wasn't able to spread anywhere right, else. Right, right. And I, I think you were right. I think it was, a, it was about this time. It was about 2 million a day, somewhere yeah. in there. Two, like uh, something like 2 million, 5 million a day that we were going to have to get to. And everybody was going to have to constantly be tested. Like they wanted it ramped up where you would have to go every couple of days and get tested. And it's just it's stupid. Ab it just, Depressed. the stupidity, <laughs> the, the stupidity is just, it's just, oh my God. <laughs> On March 17th, President Trump announced CMS will expand telehealth, telehealth benefits for Medicare beneficiaries. Relevant Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act penalties will not be enforced. The Army Corps of Engineers is on standby to assist federal state governments. March 17th. We're only at March. We're only mid-March yes. right now. Yeah, we're in mid-March. Yep. Mm -hmm. President Trump spoke to fast food executives from Wendy's, McDonald's, and Burger King to discuss drive through services recommended by CDC. Okay, I have a bone to pick with this. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> The stupidest. I've heard something like this before, but go ahead. <laughs> the dumbest <clears throat> thing happening right now is this whole thing about contactless delivery, right? Uh huh. I see commercials like "Come to McDonald's." We do contactless, you know, we contactless delivery of your food, which means you right. walk up. Pizza Hut. Um, all the pizza places are contactless delivery, right? Right. We're just going to like, it'll be there. It will magic. We'll teleport it, beam it onto this platform, <laughs> right? And now you can rest assured that the idiot who's right there at the counter didn't touch it. Yeah. Okay, or the well, one that, or the driver who actually put it in the, threw it in the passenger seat of his car Wait. Who's been hotboxing himself in his car all day, taking food all over the place. Right. Huffing and his own who, farts. And, and <laughs> who's got the bag or your and, box is running it up to your door and sets it down and goes, thank you. Right. You're going to pick the box or the bag up. So you're going to magically <laughs> beam my bag, my, my sausage McMuffin with egg onto this little countertop for me. But there were like five people in the back who touched my food. Yeah. <laughs> Why is this okay? But I'm just supposed to ignore all of the other BS that's happening. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. That's, that doesn't matter. Don't look at that. It's only what you can see. Right. It's only what I, you can see. It's ridiculous. It is the, <laughs> Well, of course it's ridiculous. <laughs> this pisses me this off. This whole thing is ridiculous. <laughs> <sighs> None of this, stop. None of this is supposed to actually do anything. It's supposed to just make you feel. All of this is supposed to make you feel. Warm and fuzzy. Like we're doing something. Yeah. Yeah, because we don't know what we can 
we're, do. We're, not, we're not doing anything. Did I tell this story of when I went to, <sighs> when I went to Bookman's? Did I tell you this yes, story? Yes, with the face shield and the mask. Yeah. And like, I, I swear, I'm going to, I am going to go buy, I'm going to find it. Actually, I've seen him. I poked around online. I'm going to buy it. Is I'm going to get the straight up hazmat suit from Outbreak with the, the three sided <clears throat> plexiglass face and the hose and the yellow hood. And I'm, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to just wear it around. And I'm going to wear it around and I'm going to give dirty looks to everybody else in a mask going, where's your suit? <laughs> because that's how stupid this is. <laughs> you need a hazmat suit, like a tuxedo. Yes. No, I don't want a tuxedo. <clears throat> I, want, I want obnoxious yellow so people can see me from a mile away. <laughs> March 17th, Treasury Secretary Steve Nuchin met with lawmakers to discuss stimulus measures to relieve the economic burden of coronavirus on certain industries, businesses, and American workers. March 17th, Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue announced a partnership between USDA, Baylor University, McLean Global, and PepsiCo to provide 1 million meals per week to rural children in response to widespread school closures. March 17th, Treasury Department. You know, this is... Oh, oh, dang. I thought we were going to get by it, too. Go ahead. When, when, is, when did it... When... 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 <laughs> <laughs> when did our school system become a daycare where it's going to provide them food and all? Yeah. Yeah. What, when did that happen? Like, I get that there are, there are, I grew up poor too. I didn't have anything. I grew up in South Phoenix. We still had food in the refrigerator. Now it wasn't expensive food. Sometimes it was a tortilla that you'd put like, peanut butter on yeah. but it was food oh i get it yeah we i didn't get school lunches i mean if we did it's because mom gave me a dollar and i went look at my, i get a lunch and, i get a and I get you, to buy a lunch yes and if you forgot your lunch and or you forgot money to buy your lunch mm. you were effed yeah you were you were sitting you were ba hey do you want to you want to hey. trade for the hey. can i have that hey. you want your milk <laughs> no 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 the chocolate one okay you know, my mom would send me to school with a thermos of chicken noodle soup one of those little boxes of raisins <laughs> and and a and a little baggie of of graham crackers right uh-huh that's a pretty decent lunch actually yeah, yeah you know when you think about it that's actually pretty decent and there were other kids I went to, a, I went to a, a, an elementary school when I, from like uh, second through fifth grade and they didn't have a cafeteria. So you had to bring your lunch. Oh, I was going to say, most <clears throat> people went to an elementary school from second to fifth grade. Well, no, my, my, that's the, what point those being, are called. the point being that there was no cafeteria. And, and right. of course, all of the other kids would, would sit there. We'd, we'd have to eat lunch in our classrooms because we didn't, like I said, we didn't have a cafeteria. And the other kids would have like Twinkies or bag of Doritos. Oh yeah. And they're all trading, you know, they're bartering. And I'm like, no, everybody just kind of like, looks over at Lucy's lunch. And like, we're good. Raisins? <laughs> half your I'll Twinkie. I'll trade you my, my raisins, raisins for your, for half your Twinkie. Dude, Actually, nobody, just, I just want to smell it. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my daughter. My, my, my poor daughter. I, we send her, I, I, I kid you not. We, she goes with a fruit and if, if 
she's lucky it's a fruit cup. Otherwise, it's like an apple cut up in slices. That um, maybe some meat like rolled up or something like that. She's got a pro a meat or protein a, or beans in case if we don't have meat when you beans and a vegetable. When's the last time you had a four-year-old open up their lunch and there's literally green beans and a spoon or corn or peas? We send her with peas. I can you only imagine terrible. what the You are we, terrible. We parents. are. We're awful, awful. <clears throat> and I love it. I know other kids got like Lunchables and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, they this. got all kinds of nope. stupid crap. Not my daughter. Uh-uh. Even Finger. on Wednesday, Wednesday's pizza day, she gets a slice of pizza. But if she didn't take her yogurt and her banana and her vegetable first, she didn't get her pizza. Now, when I got into when I got into junior high, we actually had a we actually had a uh, cafeteria, and I remember you remember when you would have you'd go to the cafeteria, and you'd get that slice of pizza. It was pizza day, and it was oh. like a piece of cardboard with melted. Oh, it was terrible cheese on and it. And it was amazing. It was, it was terrible, amazing because it, it was, was the amazing. best thing you had all like, week. Like, oh my god, it's pizza day! <laughs> it's pizza day. <laughs> yep. Are <laughs> those French bread pizzas <clears throat> that? Oh. Yeah. Oh, I remember yeah. those. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, that was good stuff. All right. So, March 17th. Sorry, back to isolation. March 17th, Treasury Department contributed $10 billion through Economic Stabilization Fund to the Federal Reserve's Commercial Paper Funding Facility. Deferred $300 billion in tax payments for 90 days without penalty, up to $1 million for individuals, $10 million for business, which is unheard of. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's absolutely unheard of. Um, March 17th, still, the Department of Defense announced it will make available to HHS up to 5 million respirator masks and 2,000 ventilators. That doesn't happen without the president's involvement. Correct. At, at, least, at least working with his various um, you know, representatives and secretaries and et cetera. Well, and, and this is from which department? <clears throat> department of the Defense department of to defense. the Health and Homeland you know, uh, HHS. Yep. So yeah, that that's sorry, that is by order of the president. Yeah. March 18th, Thank President you. Trump signed the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, which provides free testing and paid sick leave for workers impacted by the coronavirus. March 18th, President Trump announced temporary closure of the US-Canada border to non-essential traffic, plans to invoke the Defense Production Act in order to increase the number of necessary supplies needed to combat coronavirus. FEMA has been activated in every region at its highest level of response. The U.S. Navy will deploy USNS Comfort and USNS Mercy hospital ships. All foreclosures and evictions will be suspended for a period of time. That was all. That, that was just March 18th. And we're that still not done 18th. with March 18th. Yeah. yeah. March 18th, still, Secretary of Defense Mark Esper confirmed one million masks are now immediately available. The Army Corps of Engineers is in New York consulting on how to best assist state officials. March 18th, HHS temporarily suspended a regulation that prevents doctors from practicing across state lines. So doctors could, you know, a, a doctor here in Arizona could fly to New York and actually assist. Correct. March 18th, President Trump spoke to doctors, physicians, and nurses on the front lines containing the spread of coronavirus. 130 CEOs of the Business Roundtable to discuss on ongoing public-private partnerships in response to the coronavirus pandemic. On March 19th, President Trump announced very encouraging progress shown by anti-malarial drug hydroxychloroquine for fighting coronavirus, at which point the left and the they media, but I repeat myself, lost their minds. Yep, they did. 
And as a result, we had governors who were banning the use of hydroxychloroquine. They wrote, governors were writing executive orders to, to prohibit pharmacists from prescribing it. Of which those states Correct. secretly rolled that ban back, by the way. They did roll that back. Um, yeah, because yeah. unfortunately, that's used in quite a bit of other medications. Um, yeah. And there were a handful of uh, people who died because they couldn't get the medication that they needed for life-sustaining treatment. Not because they had coronavirus, but because they, they had malaria. get their medication because it, it actually had hy- hydroxychloroquine in it. Mm-hmm. So continue. Carnival lines, Carnival. this is still March 19th, Carnival Cruise Lines will make ships available for use as hospitals in impacted areas to use for non-coronavirus patients. Again, that doesn't happen without the administration's um, negotiations. March 19th, Vice President Pence announced tens of thousands of ventilators have been identified that can be converted to treat patients. March 19th, the State Department issued a global level four health advisory telling Americans to avoid all international travel due to coronavirus. On March 19th, President Trump directed FEMA to take the lead on the federal government's coronavirus response and visited FEMA HQ with Vice President Pence for a call with governors. March 19th was the day that real Donald Trump, that's his Twitter handle, told Woodward, this is, this is the big one. He told yep. Woodward, I quote, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down because I don't want to create a panic. So Trump has done all of this stuff and now he has finally said, yeah, I'm trying to play it down as much as I can when I'm in front of people because I don't want to create a panic. Right. And yet I'm supposed to be knowing all of this, knowing all of these steps, knowing that, of course, a leader's not supposed to light their own hair on fire and run around screaming right. that the earth is falling. You don't go up, up to the camera and go, oh, my God, we're all going to die. Right. You don't you do don't, that's that. That's not who you want running the country. You need you want somebody someone going, who's stable. Okay, we're working on this. This is what we're doing. These are the steps we're taking. Right. We're going to make – we're making progress day by day. We're working on it. Be calm. Try and take it easy. This is where you, this is what I need you to do. This is what we're going to do. That's what I want. That's who the American people want leading the dang country is somebody who's actually going, okay, we're getting a handle on this. This is what we're doing. And as far again, to reiterate one more time, we're up to March 19th. And that's where this and, list ends. Okay. Where has there been any act of um, non-transparency? of keeping everything behind closed doors, not telling the American public the truth. Don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the media, the media is lying. This is why, this, you know, this is why I despise the media because they, they continue to beat this drum. All of this is public information that any journalist worth his, his or her salt could easily dig up. If, if, if the real story about what is happening was being told, Trump's approval rating now is up to 53% and it's continuing to rise go, as we get closer and closer to the election. Can you imagine if the vitriol just, if, if the press, I'm not even saying that they have to be nice. I'm just saying if they checked their bias on their reporting. You mean if they were being fair? If all they did was just simply report the news, 
and were not trying to influence through the news. If they were just simply reporting on what has happened, I believe that Trump's approval numbers would probably be up into this in the 75% range. Because you would I think that would absolutely be true. But more than that, I think that the news organization's approval ratings and their ratings would actually be better as well. Absolutely. People are absolutely. turning off the freaking news. I mean, yeah. they are. Yeah. They're looking for their news sources in other places. They're doing it online. They're going through shoot the Epoch Times. Um, their ratings have gone through the roof, actually. Their subscription rating has gone way up. Wall Street Journal is bankrupt. The New York Slimes is just, I mean, it, it practically doesn't exist. And yet, I mean, people don't know. Those two companies are running in bankruptcy, and they have been for a while. But who is heralded on CNN and C-SPAN and MSNBC? It's those two publications. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You probably know this, but um, is it MSNBC? No, CNN. Um, one, their main editor is actually the main editor for the Wall Street Journal as well. Is that correct? Is, I do I have so. those two I linked together correctly? So why, if, I'm, if, I, if it's my job um, as running CNN to actually get ratings up, what publication am I going to promote on my newsfeed? Well, the Wall Street Journal. Well, if I'm the and, and I'm going to actually try and plug CNN as best as I can. Why do you think they talk about each other constantly? It's a business, you guys. It's yeah. not news. No. It's entertainment. If it gets you all jazzed up, scared, frightened, excited, happy, whatever that is, that's their job. Yeah. All right. We have to jump back to the RBG. Okay, let's go. You know, we yep. talked about we talked about her dying at the at the beginning of the show. But what we didn't talk about is the fiasco of should the seat be filled or not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I there's a I know there's a play back and forth and and unfortunately, again, we're talking about somebody who's passed, but we're going to be focusing and we will be focusing not we as in um, Fusion Underground here, but the whole country is going to be focusing largely in part um, on that over the next two months for sure. Um, do I think it should be filled immediately? Yes. Do I understand why some people are saying they want it, they want to hold off? Yeah. I would actually be, if I were on the Democratic ticket i would be trying to push to get it filled pretty quick too but i would be pushing my candidate as fast as possible the problem is i think for the democrats their number one contender for that seat well she's running as joe biden's running mate right now but she was a big i think she was a big contender um for that uh chair when um um oh my gosh why am I forgetting his name now? We just confirmed him. Kavanaugh? Kavanaugh. Thank you. She was a big contender for that seat. Um, Are you talking about Kamala Harris? Yes, sir, I am. I think Kamala Harris is a would be a number one pick for the Democrats to push in. Well, you can't do that right now. She can't be VP and go in the Well, Supreme yeah. If, well, if there were. Well, they, they so, so here's the, okay. So here's, here's the thing, right? Um, in, in 2016, there was a, a, a Supreme Court seat that was open. 
And we had a ton of Democrats saying, well, we need to, we need to, we, they were, they were basically yelling at the GOP saying to confirm and listen to Barack Obama's, um, you know, nominee and vote on the vote, vote on Barack mm -hmm. Obama's nominee. This was Merrick Garland. Right. <clears throat> now, since Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, there have been a number of people that have gone on the record have basically been screaming saying, well, is Mitch McConnell going to, is he going to adhere to the McConnell rule about SCOTUS mm -hmm. seats in an election year? The problem is most of these people that are talking, they have no idea what the McConnell rule is. And really the McConnell rule isn't really a McConnell rule. It's just political reality. So here's what the McConnell rule says. McConnell said that you shouldn't vote on a SCOTUS nomination until after the, the November election when the Senate and the White House are controlled by opposite parties. That's not necessarily a rule per se, it's smart politics. Mm -hmm. Because let's face it, if the Democrats had control of the Senate right now. Oh, it'd be a push like crazy. They, they, they wouldn't have, to. the point being is if Trump was in the, is, Trump is in the White House, he's president. Now imagine, just for the sake of argument that the Senate is controlled by the Democrats. They don't have to listen to the nominee. They don't have to do anything because the Senate has to vote to confirm. So even if, even if Trump offers up a nomination, the Senate would just sit on it and wait to see what happens. That's what they would do. That's not a rule. That's just the Senate majority playing politics with the president. With, with the president. That's it. That's all that is. Okay. And Barack Obama did offer up a nomination. And I have an entire set of tweets by people who were um, by Democrats who were basically saying, who were calling out the, um, who were calling out the, the Republicans back in 2016 and saying, you have to vote to confirm. And, and now four years later, five years later, however long it's been, they have completely reversed their, uh, their thinking on all of this. Of well, absolutely. Now, now they're saying, no, you can't vote. You can't vote for this. Um, so here's, here's, what I, here's what I think needs to happen. I think the president should absolutely give forth his nomination. And here's another thing that bothers me before I get into that. Okay. Is we've, we've had people come out last night, uh, blue, tick mark, blue check marks on Twitter. We've, had, we've even had several politicians come out and say, if the, if the Republicans try to push forward, and push forward on, on filling the seat, that they're going to burn everything down and they're going to riot. I'm sorry. Oh, so it's blackmail? Yeah, they're basically, yeah. Okay. What were you going to say? No, you're basically blackmailing. That's blackmail. It's extortion. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 you are threatening your political rivals with violence if you don't get your way. Right. That's not the country we live in. Right. Or in, it shouldn't be. 
in, in 2016, President Barack Obama, mm -hmm. he tweeted out, refusing to consider a SCOTUS nominee before one is even announced is irresponsible. Do your job. President Obama yesterday respond, tweeted out, Obama calls on Senate not to fill Ginsburg's vacancy until after election. So which is it? Well, it's hypocrisy is the norm. Right. Um, Hillary Clinton in, two, in 2016 said, in announcing Judge Merrick Garland as his nominee, President Obama has met his responsibility. Now it's up to members of the Senate to meet their own. Last night, Hillary Clinton says Senate Democrats will have to use every single possible maneuver to prevent Senator McConnell from enacting the greatest travesty and monumental hypocrisy in attempting to fill Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's U.S. Supreme Court seat. <laughs> so before, before it was Obama did his, what it, Obama met his responsibility. Now the Senate needs to meet theirs. That was 2016. Yesterday. Right. We have to use every single possible maneuver to keep that from happening. So she, exactly. so basically she wants them to be irresponsible. Well, no, basically she called it out for what it is. Um, except she's pointing. Remember, anytime you point a finger at someone else, you got three more pointing back at you. Sure. Um, when you are going to sit here and say that that's hypocrisy, <clears throat> your statements are hypocrisy. Right. I mean, just look at it now. You know what? Um, I do agree with one thing. The president, and, and I'll say President Obama, making a nomination. He did his job. Now it's up to them. Sure. Not going not gonna to argue that. And in like thinking, President Trump can make his nomination. And then it's up to the Senate to do what they're going to do. Absolutely. So I, do I think the president should do his due diligence and nominate someone? Yes. Yeah. Chuck Schumer, in 2016, attention GOP, Senate has confirmed 17 SCOTUS justices in presidential election years. Hashtag do your job. Chuck Schumer, yesterday, the American people should have a voice in the selection of their next Supreme Court justice. Therefore, this vacancy should not be filled until we have a new president. Wait, until we have a new president? So if President Trump wins, then we should wait until, 2000, until 2025? Yeah, well, then, then the American's voice doesn't matter. But that's right. the kind of that oh, was the point right. oh, in 2016 later, too. You got to remember that this has been four years of trying to say that the American people's voice didn't matter because that's what they've been trying to do is to undo it. And even in our timeline, keep in mind, while we're facing the biggest crisis that we've seen and that I'm using that the air quotes again, the biggest crisis we've ever seen in our lifetime with the COVID-19 pandemic. They're all criticizing, saying that they would have all done it different. No, you all would have been trying to get the president out of office via impeachment. And I know that because that's what you were doing. Well, right. the president was meeting with the CDC and the World Health Organization and China to try and figure out how to get this under control early. You guys were trying to throw him out of office. You adults. In 2016, Joe Biden then Vice President of the United States, Joe Biden said, blocking Merrick Garland sets, sets up genuine constitutional crisis. Dun, dun, dun. Yesterday, Joe Biden speaks following death of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ooh, Quote, he said, let me be clear wait. that the voters should pick the president and the president should pick the justice for the Senate to consider. Go for it. Wait. Uh, that was... That was 
That that was that caught me off guard. I thought you were gonna say you said I would a bit. Uh, 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 <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you know, with you know, the thing. I mean, you know, at the place. It just. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> think about right yeah think about it just think about it i mean here's here's what here's what he said yesterday let me be clear that the voters should pick the president and the president should pick the justice for the senate to consider yeah well we did pick the president and so the president should then pick the justice for the senate so the president you're you're absolutely right joe biden you're absolutely i agree with that statement 100 percent yeah but i don't think that's what he meant no that's not what he meant i think he was talking about a timeline of events Chris oh, Murphy, okay. Chris Murphy of Connecticut, he said the Constitution says, "quote advise and consent." It's hard to do that if you won't even meet with a nominee. Hashtag do your job. That was in uh, 2016. Today or yesterday, he wrote Chris Murphy of Connecticut: If Republicans go forward and reverse the precedent they set in 2016, the Senate will never ever be the same. It will be changed forever. I pray tonight that at least a few of my Republican colleagues understand this. They they can the. The Republicans controlled the Senate in 2016, you dolt. <laughs> they didn't want to listen to any of the, uh, they didn't want to take a look at the nominations, which is their, which is their, they didn't, they weren't That's violating their purview. the law. They weren't no. violating the law. Obama nominated somebody for the seat. The Senate said, cool, thanks. We'll consider it. <laughs> you know, as well as I do. You know, That's, as well as I do. That is Democrats totally apparent. Same thing. Yeah. Looking at a kid going, you know what? I'll think about it. Yeah. Now yeah. go away. And yes, if the roles were reversed, actually it would be different because they would be outgoing. There is not a chance in H-E double hockey sticks that we are going to give any consideration to any mm-hmm. nomination this president mm-hmm. would make uh, until after the general election. Mm-hmm. And if that person is still president at that point, this process could take a very long time. I could hear any of them, especially Chucky Schumer there, saying something just like that. Yeah. Rich, Senator Rush, Richard Blumenthal uh, in 2016, he tweeted out, I was outside SCOTUS today urging the Senate GOP to hashtag do your job and hold a hearing vote for SCOTUS nom Garland. Hashtag we need nine. Yesterday, the same Senator Richard Blumenthal, he tweeted out, as to the appointment of Ginsburg's successor, I couldn't improve on what McConnell said after Scalia's death. The American people must have a voice in the selection of their next Supreme Court justice. Therefore, this vacancy should not be filled until we have a new president. Uh, here's Senator Maisie Hirono of Hawaii. She said, after, in 2016, after meeting with Judge Garland, it's even more apparent that Republicans must hashtag do your job and consider his nomination. Yesterday, she tweeted out, or yesterday she said, she was on CNN, and she said, the Democrats are going to do everything we can to fight back to ensure that Senator Majority Leader McConnell doesn't steal another seat. Senator Maisie Hirono says about the Supreme Court vacancy after Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. Senator, Senator uh, Hirono was the, other per- was the same person who said yesterday that, um, that if the Democrats win the White House and the Senate, that they will absolutely expand the... Uh, the Supreme Court and they will pack it with liberal judges and they want to rumor on the street now is they want to expand it from nine to 15. That's crazy. That's crazy. And that's just simply so that they can ensure that they have a liberal majority on the bench. 
Can you imagine anything? Can you imagine the collective outrage from the left if Trump, after winning in 2016, wanted to expand the uh, the Supreme Court? Well, I, no, I can't. And, and I say that only because the idea of having a larger Supreme Court goes against the whole idea of a conservative government. I mean, that's, that's completely contrary to that idea. So, no, I can't really accept it, you know, the, the list goes on and on. I have, you know, Senator Patrick Leahy, same thing. Um, there's the CAP Action Committee, a think tank. Neral, a think tank. The Leadership Conference, another think tank. CNN, they, they you know, in 2016, uh, they were saying we need to nominate or we need to vote on America Garland. And then yesterday they were saying, no, we can't. Uh, a Vox, Vox.com. Same thing, echoing the exact same thing. MSNBC, same thing. Slate, of course, same thing. Uh, it, it, you know, it just it goes on and on. Um, yeah. The 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 only thing consistent is that they will be absolutely hypocritic in their mindset. It's it's and this is where I was talking to you before about short term versus long term. I don't think they even remember any yeah. of that. No, it, it just short-term memory. It all that stuff that happened before is gone. Other than the fact that they're still mad, right? They're they're, and and again, you have to understand the politics at play. The politics at play in 2016 were different than they were today, and that's because this the GOP controlled the Senate in 2016. So now, if you want to have a debate and say, well, in 2016 it was not right of the GOP to sit on a nomination, we can have that argument. We can have that debate, right? That's, that's a legitimate, that's a, that's a, but that's a separate issue. It's still up to the, it's still up to the Senate to determine whether or not they're going to listen to, uh, they're going to hold hearings and if they're going to conduct a vote. And if they don't want to do that, well, then they're basically going to the president. That's what the GOP did to yep. Obama in 2016. Now you can, you can take issue with that. You can have, you can take umbrage with that all you want. And you know as well as I do that if, if, if President Trump were to win this year, and let's say the Democrats take over the Senate going into uh, you know, next year when they reconvene, okay, um, I would not be surprised if the Supreme Court stays at, at uh, eight justices for the next four years. Oh, I could see them. I could see them locking that out. Absolutely could. Yeah, just stays at four at, at eight seats for 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 right. the the duration of yep. his presidency. And you're you're not going to see any of them coming back with a quote unquote. We need nine. Um, <laughs> that's going to be lost, lost in the past. Correct, correct. We had we had. I mentioned earlier that there were blue checks <laughs> and 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 uh, politicians who were calling for riots. If there was a nomination and if they were trying to ram through a SCOTUS nominee. But they didn't even, Trump hasn't even nominated anybody and they were rioting in Manhattan today. Oh, yeah. They've been rioting for. Well, they've been rioting for freaking months, but they rioted today over RBG's death and the idea that Trump could, you know, he's now since come out and said, yeah, he's going to put forth a nomination on Friday. But they were already rioting today. And so we had people on Twitter basically threatening saying, if you nominate, we're going to riot. Well, you're already, you already did. You're already right. You're already rioting. So what difference does it matter to me? Yeah. What difference does it matter? Yeah, to the, the only people? thing that that tells me, the only thing that tells me is as an American citizen, 
is that if I want any of this BS, this writing and all this other kind of stuff to stop, you're just pushing me towards the other direction. You're not, I'm not going to concede um, because as we've seen with all the Black Lives Matter movement and we've seen with all of the other movements, there's no concession. There's no pittance that I or the or anybody in this country is going to be able to give that is going to put an end to this, that is going to satiate your appetite for rioting and violence. That's not going to happen. This is going to get squashed one way or the other. And the only thing you're doing effectively is pushing everybody out there who wasn't quite sure to go, I've had enough. It's done. And I'm on board the Trump train, if you want to call it that. You you know what's insane today? So Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she passes away yesterday, right? And we're in the middle of a presidential election. This morning, this morning, today, September 19th, Biden's campaign called a lid at 8.30 a.m. Now, for those of you who do not know what a lid is, what that means is they put the lid on the day. They basically yep. said, we're done. No, new, no more news comes out of our campaign at all. You're not going to see Joe Biden for the rest of the day. They normally do that at like 8 o'clock at night. Like in the White House, that, that, the, they're, they're still open until like 8 o'clock at night, which is still early on the, on the West Coast. They typically don't do a lid until, until well into the evening. The Biden campaign did a lid at 8.30 a.m. 8.30. Joe was not having a good day. That, was, that tells me that Biden had a very bad day. Mm-hmm. He, you know, there's, there's, we talked about it last week with, uh, with the dementia and the rumors in the campaign that he has good days and he's starting to have bad days. This tells me if you're calling a lid at 8.30 in the morning, you couldn't put him out there. This is the day after a progressive icon has died. Yeah. This is a presidential campaign. The man cannot even make it until lunch. He cannot make it till lunch. And you want to put this guy in the Oval Office where he's supposed to go and meet with foreign leaders? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And actually, I was, I was listening earlier this week, and, and I, I want to say it was Sean Hannity, and I can't remember. He had a guest on, and, and I feel terrible. I can't remember who it was. But actually called out and this sounds terrible but i'm just repeating it so bear with me but said that this rivaled elder abuse putting him out there in his current state in the in the manner that he is actually almost attributed it to a form of elder abuse anyone else um in a situation like that should not be being paraded around should not be flown around the country the way they are should not be um tested with their mental faculties the way he has been. And I don't mean tested as in like, you know, actual testing, but tried, we'll say that way. It's, it's almost abusive. Yeah. And I, you know, I thought that that was very harsh when I heard it that way. And I said, well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I'm starting to wonder if maybe that was, that's not far off from the truth. I yeah. mean, he, and I, I actually do feel bad. I really do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, um, so we have the Democrats who are basically threatening extortion of the American people. 
uh, and of the GOP if they try to put, um, if they try to fill a, a, SCOTUS, a SCOTUS seat. We have the Democrats who are now threatening to expand the Supreme Court and stack it full of judges. Now, one might, one might be wondering, well, why would they want to do that? And, and the reason why they want to do that is because it's much easier to legislate through the judicial branch than it is to legislate through the legislative branch. It's very easy to sway one court if, if, if I have, um, you know, if there are nine Supreme Court justices, all I need to convince is five people. And well, I don't have to go through the umpteen million bajillion criminals that are in the House of Representatives. I don't have to get through them. I just have to convince right. five people and I get my sure. way. Yep. So, and that's a simple majority. Now, and going to 15, if they're actually able to jump from nine to, to 15, let's just say that actually is able to be done. Well, all of those appointments are going to happen at once. They're not going to just say, oh, well, we'll do that over the next eight they years. They would have to fill them. Yeah, no, they'd have to, they would fill, they'd have to fill them immediately, which means they would control um, the next six, six yeah. people going into that. Right. And keep in mind, these are life appointments. Right. So they have ultimate control over our lives for the conceivable future because i mean it, it's just absolutely mind-boggling absolutely mind-boggling um they know that they've got four of those seats locked in right now and that's what they're worried about i mean they were even talking about they don't want um mitch mcconnell mcconnell and the republicans to steal another seat from them i mean that's that's what this is all about it's about power it's about control over you and me and the rest of the American public and the government system in, in whole. Well, it's, it's just a, it's just a shame. And, you know, we're not even in, uh, we're not even in October. Um, prepare for oh. October, October surprises. You know what? And, and I believe it's going to get crazier and crazier. I think, oh, I think yeah. by the, uh, by, by mid October, I would not be surprised if we have 20, 20 new cases, 20 new women come out and say that Trump abused them um, or sexually assaulted them, you know, where the, where they were back in 2015 when he was running for president or 2016, I don't know, but uh, you, you know, we're just going to continue at this point. I think, I think the left is going to be throwing anything and everything they can at the wall. Um, we're, we're already seeing it. Um, and you know, it's, it's going to get crazy. I thought it was going to be crazy already. And then RBG passed away and um, shit just got real. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and unfortunately that's, that's real in a different way. And, th and I was trying to, to explain this a little bit um, today with uh, my former boss, but you know, the RBG, this act actually has real long-term effect on the oversight of the government for how it regulates our conduct and behavior going forward and it's long term all of this stuff going on right now with the election you've got to understand they've already if you are on the conservative side trying to understand how the liberal side is thinking you have to actually understand a couple things one this is war this whole thing is war right now this is just a battle they've already conceded a loss on the battlefield and they are planning their next attack going forward. That's why they are ramping up um, this, the, the hatred relations. They're talking about the blackmail if you vote and if this happens, there's gonna be riots and we're, they're already planning what's gonna be happening in mid-November and December. 
they're talking about what's happening over Christmas. Everybody else is still looking right at November 3rd. You've got to understand they're past that. So Ruth Bader Ginsburg, long-term, they didn't have that plan for not yet. They were looking at 2021 to 2024, okay? This election, they've already kind of given up, and they're actually looking at how they're going to affect your emotions going forward. They want you as the American public to feel like you got cheated out of whatever was yours. And that's what they're going to be capitalizing on to gain their momentum, to fight the war, not worrying about the battle. My wife really hates when I talk about this, but you have to understand this is war. These two sides are at war, this liberal and the conservative, and it's been going on for a while, but we're at a tipping point here and they're grabbing for power. That's why Ruth Bader Ginsburg is such a huge deal for them. Yep. And um, ultimately, well, the country's falling into ruin anyway, but we'll talk about that next week. Thanks everybody for listening. (laughs) As always for Jason Moret, I'm Manuel Ramirez. You've been listening to the Fusion Underground. Peace out. Have a good night.